Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can follow us on Facebook or visit our website at BeatitudesChurch.org. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society. Bobby Knight. Well, it's March Madness. I had to bring up Bobby Knight. He is one of the most winningest coaches in men's NCAA basketball, and yet he's also one of the most controversial coaches in that same arena. And the reason being is his coaching style is kind of like dinosaurs. It went extinct. The way that he coached, the way that he showed far more than just tough love, sometimes just being tough. And it got him in trouble. It cost him his job. And those coaches that had been his assistants that learned from Bob Knight, all of a sudden they realized that there had to be a shift that would take place if they were going to be successful coaches. So when I had the opportunity to become a coach, I thought long and hard what style of coaching I was going to pursue. Was I going to be like Bobby Knight? Was I just going to be a tough coach, one that was always in people's faces, always yelling, always intimidating? Or would I try the new era of coaching? The idea of the new era of coaching is that you praise individuals that you build them up, you edify them, so that they find that strength within themselves to become their optimal talent. And my job as a coach was to help them in that process of becoming and reaching their full potential. So I chose the latter. And one of the reasons I chose the latter was an article that I found in the Harvard Business Review. Fascinating article about how to get the most out of your team. It didn't matter if the team was a sports team, a business team, even a church. didn't matter. They showed that one of the most effective ways of building up a team, of empowering a team, was to find the correct balance or ratio between negative feedback and positive feedback. You can't, they found, you can't have one without the other. But the key into successful teams, and this is actually what appeared in that business article, says the following, the factor that made the greatest difference between the most and least successful teams was the ratio of positive comments to negative comments. And that ratio, that sweet spot, they found to be five to one. For every one negative feedback, you were supposed to provide five positive feedbacks. Now think about the implications of that. Five to one. And think about how that would impact all of our relationships. In that same article, it goes on and he says, negative feedback indeed goes a long way. 
And then they give a caveat. Only positive feedback can motivate people to continue doing what they're doing well and do it with more vigor, more determination, and more creativity. You want to get the best out of people. You want to get the most you can out of people. Emphasize the positives over the negatives. But when I read the New Testament, especially the Gospels, I discover an individual who, in many ways, was a coach. They didn't have that word back then. Instead, they used the word rabbi, teacher, Lord. And that was Jesus. When I reread the Gospel of Mark recently, I noticed that at the very beginning, it talks about Jesus getting his followers together, calling individuals to come and be, if you would, a part of his team. And I wonder if Jesus understood this ratio. When you read the Gospels, you get this idea that Jesus read people well. He knew them well. So with that in mind, I would assume that Jesus knew what motivated people, what encouraged people to become their best. And so we do see examples where Jesus offers encouragement to people. Jesus uses words of affirmation towards people. But in the Gospel of John, the text that Mike read for us this morning, we see here an example of an individual, Jesus in particular, living out his love. And the way that they want to do this, the writer of the Gospel of John wants to do this, is he creates a story. Now, there seems to be good evidence that this may not have actually been a historical event, but that doesn't make it untrue. There is still truth within that, and the writer, in order to capture the essence, the depth of God's love for his followers, for Jesus' love for his followers, the writer describes Jesus as washing their feet. There are Christian denominations today who, before communion, they wash each other's feet. I wonder what would happen to our attendance if we ever tried that. We're not going to try it, I promise you. But yet, when you read the Gospels, one of the things that you find in there, in that fourth Gospel of John, is Jesus says, according to the writer, that we are to follow his example. And there are people that take it literally. I grew up in a denomination where we did foot washing. And I thank God that in our denomination, we don't do that. But it doesn't take away from the parable of the story, what John was trying to describe. And the way that we understand this text is found in John chapter 13, verse 1. It gives the setting in which we are to understand Jesus washing their feet of his followers. It says the following, Jesus knew it was almost time for the Passover feast. It was time for him to leave this world. 
John has Jesus with a sense of awareness that because of the tension and the anger that was continuing to grow among the religious leaders, Jesus kind of read the tea leaves and decided, like, um, this ain't good. I may not be around much longer. And Jesus, understanding the challenges that his followers would face without him physically present with them, he needed to solidify and show them his love for them. He needed to affirm them. And it came out of his sense of commitment that he had for them, a sense of love that he had for them. That's why the writer continues in verse 1, and he said, Having loved his own who were in the world, to the end he loved them. Now, that is the dominant translation, that Jesus loved his followers and he loved them until the end. But the word that appears in the original language has another possible nuance to it. The word in its core means to bring something to its full completion. That's why it says in the translations, to bring he loved them to the end. But the other possibility of understanding this verse is that Jesus loved them fully. He loved them completely. He loved them intensely. And it was because of that love, Jesus does more in this story than just give five affirmations to his followers. Jesus takes those five verbal affirmations and he actually puts them into action. And the way that he does that is by washing his disciples' feet, a task that was normally left to someone of a low, lower social status, usually a servant. But Jesus does it. Jesus is willing to do that to show his full love for his followers. And then at the very end of this chapter, the writer brings it all back again. Notice what it says in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another even as I loved you. The way that I read John chapter 13, this is far more than about washing feet. The story is a parable to show the depth of Jesus' love for his followers, to be willing to humble himself, to be willing to serve them, to display the fullness of his love for them. And then Jesus says, I want you to love other people like that. I want you to make a difference in people's lives. I want you to enhance the quality of people's lives by loving them fully. So how do we do that today? Well, 
it's obvious we're not going to start washing each other's feet. So what do you do? Well, the clue for me was in one letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. It says that we know that all have knowledge, and knowledge makes arrogance, or knowledge puffs up. But then here's the punchline. But love strengthens. Love builds up. So the question I need to ask us today is how do we follow the example of Jesus by loving fully? By loving others completely? By building people up? By strengthening people in the same way that Jesus did his disciples while he was here on this earth? How do we do it today if we're not going to wash each other's feet? Well, the answer to me was found in a little bit of work I did this week when I discovered that there are five love languages. Two in particular struck me. And I thought, what if we took those two and we begin to live those out on a daily basis in our various relationships, in our relationships with our partner, in our relationships with our friends, in our relationship with our family, in our relationship throughout society at all the different levels, and in a spiritual community, a church like this. And the two love languages that resonated with me was number one, words of affirmation, and number two, acts of service. that we can do that. That we can affirm each other in the words that we choose to use when we talk to each other and when we talk about each other. And then a light bulb went on, and it was like, ah, this makes sense. That ratio that I was talking about when it came to coaching, five to one? Well, if I'm going to show love for another individual through my words, then what would happen if I took that ratio and I applied it to today? So that for every criticism, for every negative, constructive input that I give to other people, that needs to be couched with five positives. That's going to affect my relationship with my wife. That's going to affect my relationship with my daughters. That's going to affect my relationship with you and you with me, and you with each other. Imagine that. Before you criticize someone, before you give negative feedback to someone, ask yourself, 
Is this building them up? 1 Corinthians 8, 1. Love builds up. It doesn't tear down. And the reason why love builds up is because just as Jesus was committed and vested in his followers, we need to do the same today. The way that I read this is if I don't like you, if you're not important to me, I ain't going to criticize you. Because I can't do the ratio of five to one. But if I love you, and if I'm committed to you, then what I want for you more than anything else is to build you up. Just pause right now for a moment and think about all the different relationships that you have. As you do that introspection, where is your ratio? Do you find yourself to be someone who maybe is off kilter? Perhaps you find yourself complaining and being negative, being critical of other people, either to their face or behind their back. Well, you can shift that. You can realign it. You can take what the writer of the Gospel of John said very seriously, that if we really want people to know that we're followers of Jesus, it's not so much about do you believe all the right things, in fact, according to this chapter, if you really want people to know that you're a follower of Jesus, love each other. Build each other up. Why? It's got to be more than, than just we want to follow Jesus, isn't it? I mean, there's a lot of times when we're supposed to follow Jesus and we don't, so why this? And to me, it's really simple. We need each other. I need my wife. I need my children. I rely upon my friends. I rely upon you. We need each other. And that is a message that must, in the next year and a half as we move to another election, it is a message that must come out of Christianity. 
if we're going to survive as a species, we must learn that we need each other. And that by tearing you down, I'm actually hurting myself. But if I can build you up, we all benefit from that. So this week, I invite you to join with me on a challenge. Try something a little different. The next time you find yourself wanting to be critical of another person, either to their face or behind them, just pause and ask yourself, will this build them up? Because that's what love is, is building one another up. Or do I need to offer more words of affirmation so I can find that sweet spot between affirming and encouraging? Again, in the Harvard Business Review, only positive feedback can motivate people to, can do, to continue doing what they're doing well and do it with more vigor, determination, and creativity. So I'm guessing that Jesus understood this about humanity. And that's why he loved his disciples. That's why the writer tells us this story. So that we will be inspired to love people fully and completely. And if the opportunity arises, maybe wash someone's feet. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's show. You can help us to continue this program by making your donations at BeatitudesChurch.org backslash online dash giving. Beatitudes Radio, empowering people to enrich society.